This is Donna Skoglund, and you are listening to The Pleasure Project Podcast, episode 132. This podcast is dedicated to my brother, who is visiting for the first time in about five years here, and we're having so much fun hiking. He's hanging out with the boys so much, playing basketball, poker, cards. We're all having a blast, and we're so happy he's here. And we have been hiking every single day, and we've been having great conversations on our hikes. And yesterday we were talking about our five-year vision. And I asked my brother what his vision was, and he said that he wants to be more active and he wants to have more energy to do the physical activity. So we were talking and I was saying, well, you know, the energy comes from actually doing the physical activity. The more you do, the more energy you have. And so he clarified and he said the problem is really his lack of motivation to do it. And he said that, you know, that's kind of always been his problem. So if you can relate, if you feel like you have a desire for something in your life, whether that's more activity or doing more of something, but you just can't seem to find the motivation, this podcast is for you. But I also want to point you to an entire podcast I did on motivation, that is episode 91. It's called How to Get Motivated. So make sure you go and listen to that as well. But I wanna talk about it again a little bit here. And this is actually more about how to create changes permanently that don't require motivation. Because motivation is like willpower. Sometimes we have it, most of the time we don't. So it's not something we ever really want to rely on for what we do on a regular basis. So number one is, you know, this was something, by the way, that I had a really hard time falling asleep last night, and I'm going to actually talk about that at the end of this episode, something that I'm currently changing in my own life. So as I'm lying in bed awake, I was thinking about our conversation, and the first thing that struck me was that my brother said, you know, it's always been my problem. That's my, that's kind of my thing that I just don't have the motivation. And sometimes we think that a lack of motivation for something is just something inherently about us. It's a part of our personality, our identity, and that's just not the case. So if you find yourself saying things like that, where you're talking about some aspect of yourself and you're basing that on how you've been in the past, instead of identifying with that and making about who you are as a person, I want you to say this. I have a human brain (laughs) who wants to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and conserve energy. So if you struggle with anything, And that could be breaking an unhealthy habit or starting a new habit or just doing anything that you feel like would be good for you, but you're just not doing it. You have a hard time. You struggle. You're inconsistent. This is not a you problem. This is a human brain problem. And if you are saying this, like, I am, I am like this, this is something about me, that identification is going to keep 
recreating itself and keep proving your, proving true the more you think that this is just who you are. So it's not a personality trait or a flaw that you have a hard time, that you struggle. This is just your brain doing what brains do, which is to keep us safe and help us survive, but absolutely not help us thrive and live our best life. Our brains are designed to just maintain the status quo, keep doing whatever we know will create some certainty, some predictability in our future, and that just looks like doing the same thing that we've always done. So watch your language, and especially the way that you talk about yourself, because your identity informs your behaviors. And your behaviors also inform your identity. It works in both directions. It's bi-directional. So notice what are you saying about yourself where you're saying, this is just who I am. This has always been my challenge, like my challenge, my problem, my struggle. Stop saying that. (laughs) So the second thing is once you can just see that, okay, I'm just you know, I'm dealing with this primitive part of my brain that doesn't want to change. However, we also have a very evolved part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, which can absolutely change. Knowing this and knowing that our identity is not fixed, we can change our self-image, we can change our identity, we can change everything about ourselves. So then it's about getting curious about someone who would identify, if we just take my brother's example, and I'm going to make sure that he listens to this. So start to identify as someone who is physically active and prioritizes fitness and working out. Think about how that person thinks, how they prioritize their time, how they schedule their week, because you have to start seeing yourself as that kind of person. And the first way to do this is to actually look for ways that this is already true. So in my brother's case, he has a dog and he actually has about, he he does about 15,000 steps per day. So he is already quite active and what he's not doing as much of that he wants to do is more working out at the gym, more basketball, more classes, just more than what he's already doing. So if he can already start to identify as someone who is physically active, who already prioritizes movement and staying in shape, doing things that are healthy, then you can just highlight that part of yourself. Now, what is different between how you are now in terms of what you're currently doing and how you're thinking and what you think about doing, you know, the extra activity versus someone who's doing more. So in this case, he wants to do three weightlifting sessions per week, a couple of basketball, a couple of days of basketball a month and a couple of classes a month. So how would someone who's already doing that make that happen? How would they be thinking? And it is absolutely not relying on motivation. 
Speaking as someone who works out every single day, there are many days that I'm not motivated to exercise, but I do see myself as someone who exercises every single day, so it is kind of irrelevant. And that is the same with every single person that I know who exercises regularly. They not don't always want to, but they do because it's just not optional. It's not it, it's just a non-negotiable. So if you're not doing something in your life, it's because you've made it optional. So the shift you have to make is you need to make it not optional. And so really get clear on why you want to do that. So one way that you can do that is to start to rewire your mind as an active person. And that is to sell yourself on why you want to be this way, why you want to make it a non-negotiable, why you don't want to make it optional anymore. So this, you can do this by immersing yourself in information. So read books, read blogs, read articles, read things that talk about fitness, that talk about people that are fit, anything that is in the world of that you want to become more of. Listen to things, listen to podcasts, listen to conversations, listen to other people speaking, watch things. I know that one of someone I know is she was really, really inspired by the show on Netflix called Live to 100. And by watching this series, she really started to think more about the lifestyle shifts she wanted to make to improve her health. So the more you take in this kind of information, information that aligns with the kind of identity and the person that you want to become more of, that becomes how you start to think. And the more you can be around other people who are already this way, you can start to think like them. You can see what, how are they thinking differently? Because it is all, it all starts there. It all starts with your mindset. It starts with your thoughts. So your input, whatever you take in, in terms of what you read, what you listen to, what you watch, what you surround yourself with, that input shapes your outlook. It shapes how you see things. And then your outlook shapes your output, what you actually do. And that creates your results. So whatever you take in, all the information you take in becomes what you think about. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed when you watch a show, you might be just thinking about aspects of that show later that day, later that week? I absolutely noticed this. So this is this becomes kind of the filter through which we see the world. We are constantly reprogramming our mind. Everything, we're taking everything and all the thousands and millions of bits of information and it's going right into our subconscious and our subconscious is organizing it and seeing where does this fit in with my model of reality, with my belief systems. So the more we can influence very strategically what we're taking in, the more we are consciously creating the filter through which we see the world. And then what you focus on expands. So the third thing is to start taking small actions towards being that person. And the key word here is small. And this is because your subconscious mind resists change. So if you go slow and take tiny steps, it won't be as much of a threat to your subconscious mind. 
You want to make it so easy you can't say no. And this is how, when I look back, how I've made every single change from becoming a morning person, someone that used to wake up as late as possible, hit snooze as many times as possible, to someone that wakes up sometimes way too early, like before five o'clock, and has a very you know, deliberate morning routine where I always exercise, I meditate, I journal, I make my coffee, I ease into my day. I've done this with many different habits in my life. And it's all about these small changes that compound over time and you build on these small changes. So the, when you really focus on these just tiny incremental things, you're basically just creating a space in your day for those actions until they become so normal and it becomes so easy to keep doing them that there's a natural inclination, especially if there's something that has, you know, you're getting something positive from it that has a, a reward, you will naturally want to do more and more and more of it. And then it just becomes easier to expand the habit, to take five minutes of exercise to 10 minutes of exercise to 20 minutes of exercise to 30 minutes of exercise. And that's how I've done it. I really did start with five minutes and now I do 30, 35, sometimes 15, but anywhere between like 15 to 35 minutes and sometimes an hour if I'm doing a yoga class. Usually when we want to change, we try to make drastic changes that are unsustainable and require a lot of willpower to maintain. And then we run out of willpower and we stop. And then it becomes this all or nothing. And you know, our motivation is very high in the beginning when we're we feel excited to make a change and we make an ambitious plan and we have motivation in the beginning, so we ride that motivation high. We start strong, it feels good, we feel proud, we feel accomplished, but then one day we wake up and there's no motivation and we are depending on motivation at that point. So if the motivation isn't there, then we don't do it. And then it becomes this kind of, you know, we we lose some of that momentum and it becomes harder and harder and harder. And then we're back to square one and nothing really has changed internally. And the key thing that I want to point out here is that we need to change internally to make changes externally. So our thoughts, our beliefs have to change in order for our behaviors and our habits to change. And that is the only way we can make changes that are permanent. And the fourth step is really continue this, keep going with these small incremental changes, these tiny 1% improvements until the transformation is complete, until it is weirder not to do the thing than it is to do the thing, until it just feels like there's, that's just who you are. It is just your new normal. And it's really important that you are not in a rush. The only reason you would be in a rush is because you think that there is some magical feeling that happens at the end of becoming this person that does this regularly that you have to race to get to because it's going to feel so much better. Life is going to be, you know, ultimately so much, yeah, so much better than it is now. And the truth is, it's not. It's just different. It's just 
a new set of challenges, a new set of problems, and it's always 50-50. So let it take a few years if it needs to. I really, like I said, when I look back on the changes I've made, they have been slow and they have been changes that have taken, you know, at least a year for most changes that I've made. And right now I am in the middle of one of those changes. So I mentioned I would tell you why I had a hard time falling asleep last night. And I have been slowly reducing my alcohol intake. And I really don't drink a lot of alcohol. I used to years ago, probably 10 years ago and through my 20s and 30s, I was drinking every single night. I worked in the restaurant business and then... I stopped working the res- restaurant business. I slowly reduced. And then I had kids and I reduced more. So I went from drinking every night to just on weekends. And in the past, I would say, six months, I've been really curious about what it would be like to just not drink anymore or to just drink very, very rarely. And there's a few reasons for this. One, my liver. And I know I have... My, my liver has been something that I've had to really take care of and has been kind of, I, I'm aware that it's one of my like weaker organs and alcohol is just terrible for your liver. So as someone who really values her health and I do so much already to be healthy, it just didn't feel very aligned to that. I'm doing all these other things. I, I eat really well. I have you know, amazing self-care habits. I really take care of myself on so many levels. And then I'm doing this one thing that I know is just not really good for me at all. And there's more and more research coming out about the ill effects of alcohol and how there's really no amount that is healthy, despite what a lot of people say. It's a neurotoxin and it's also a depressant. So I know I don't need anything to depress me because I can also tend towards low moods sometimes. I have to work hard at being calm and content and balanced. And why would I sabotage that? It just doesn't make any sense. And as I've gotten older, I've noticed how much of an effect alcohol has on my sleep. And I really value my sleep. I really notice when I don't get good sleep and it just becomes this snowball effect that affects you know every other area of my life. So there's all these reasons where I know that alcohol is just not something that I want to continue. And it's a matter of really making that change internally and changing from someone who drinks every weekend to someone who doesn't drink. And I did this when I went from being a total sugar addict to pretty much eliminating most sugar from my life. And it was a slow process. It also was a process that took about a year. And I remember that first time I just thought about what would it be like to just not have it? And the same thing happened with alcohol. What would it be like to just not have it? Like not to go out to eat and not have a glass of wine, to go to social gatherings and family gatherings and be the one that's not drinking. And I know, I knew, and I still know that this is going to be really challenging because of 
all the socialization we have and how, you know, that this is such a big part of how most people gather and hang out and we drink for, you know, it's, it's a part of every, every gathering, just like, you know, sugar is and flour is and, you know, people that struggle with removing those foods from their diet or eliminating, it's the same thing. That social piece is a big part of it. So I've been really learning more about why alcohol is not good for me and just selling myself on this idea. And my birthday just passed and it was the very first birthday, probably since I've been of age to drink. So the last, I don't know what that is, 30 years, probably the first time in 30 years that I actually didn't have any alcohol on my birthday. And I was just thinking how that's a really big deal. Like I can feel the change happening. Like I can see myself differently. I can see how I'm thinking differently about it, how there's that moment where I might have an urge to have a drink. And that's, you know, I enjoy the taste of alcohol. I like the feeling of getting the little bit of relaxation, feeling a little bit more loose, a little bit more kind of laid back. And then I tell my, then I think about why I don't want it and how I don't want to be up in the middle of the night, how I don't want to be putting the stress on my liver and on my body and depressing myself and all the things that alcohol does. And in that moment, I'm able to say no. And I know I'm just going to keep at this and I'm not in a rush because I really don't drink that much. I mean, I've been drinking maybe half a glass of wine once or twice a week for probably the last few years. So it's really not that much, but I can tell the difference and I'm ready to say goodbye completely. So I'm just going to let it happen organically, but I know the intention. I know where I'm going. I know who I'm becoming and I know that I'll get there because I've done that in so many different ways of my life. And I want to just share this because I want you to know that you can make the changes that you want to make and you don't have to wait wait five years. You can start changing from the inside out now. And this is the work that I do with my clients one-on-one and in the Pleasure Project program. I really help you become the kind of person who just lives the way that you want to live. Instead of using willpower and relying on motivation to force yourself into certain behaviors that don't stick. Because the way to make it stick is to become a different version of yourself and to ultimately change the way you think and what you believe about these behaviors. So if you want help, reach out. Doors are open for early enrollment for the Pleasure Project program this Friday, October 13th. So stay tuned and I will talk to you soon.